the blues. Betrayal, treachery, hijack, holdup, swindle, thievery, conspiracy. Things just don't add up. This story is about a pig, a pig who got roasted in 1954, right here on this spot, in this back lot of 1066 Zuriga Avenue in the Bronx, and how the roasting of this one pig marked the beginning of the end, the fall, the decline of my father's business, Lanzalotto Fuel Oil, and my father. But I'll get back to that. Let's fast forward half a century. It's the winter of 2016. A curator from the Bronx Museum of the Arts calls me, and she invites me to take part in an evening of performance at the museum. The curator's name was Lauren Click. Now, it's not every day that a museum calls looking for a performance poet, so naturally, I'm thrilled. I get the call, and I get the assignment, and I love it. The assignment was ekphrastic. Come to the museum, look around, choose a work of art that's on exhibition, write about the work of art, and create a story or poem or something to perform in front of that work of art. Sounds easy enough, right up my alley. Like something that would give me a good break for a couple of hours from care given my mother. Now my mother, I couldn't have known this then, nobody did, but in seven months she'd be gone. But none of us knew this then. So I ran down to the Grand Concourse. My mother was really happy for me to get out a couple hours. But she wasn't up to coming with me. Other trips she had come would take a wheelchair right into the Bronx Museum. This day I went alone. I walked around, I looked at the sculptures, the paintings, the curator took me around, then I went out around on my own. There was all kinds of dazzling art. There was a sculpture made of a refugee raft. I remember there was a mask made of chains. I looked at a lot of details, took photos of you know, some of the exhibits. There were photographs from out of space, a lot of cool stuff. Finally, I chose the area where I wanted to perform. It was up on a platform, about four steps up, and there was a triptych of really colorful Bronx streets with graffiti, yellow buildings with blue, green, silver, white, black, red, orange, all kinds of colors. And I figured this would be a great place to perform. I pictured the crowd standing down below throughout the gallery. So I go up the four or five steps, and I start studying in detail this triptych. I put my notebook on the floor with my papers. I sit down on the platform. I'm talking into my voice recorder, and I'm taking notes. But my eye keeps turning towards this little painting in the far corner of the gallery, a small painting. And it's like tugging at my gut. My whole body's like pivoting toward this little painting. The colors are muted, there's nothing about it that's overtly grabbing, there's no characters in it, it's just a, a landscape of a back lot. Eh. So I keep turning back towards the triptych and continuing my work. 
and I'm sitting comfortably, and one of the security guards comes up to me. And he starts talking with me about the triptych. This guy knows everything about this particular block in the Bronx. He knows the history. He knows who used to live there. He grew up near there, and he went to parties and barbecues in the yards that were pictured in front of the buildings, behind the buildings. He told me all kinds of stories. And he said how this block was related to one of the three hot dog manufacturing plants, or whatever you want to call it, factories, I guess, hot dog factories in New York. And he starts telling me the history of this. We talked a long time. I took all kinds of notes. I felt like I had a lot of material to perform in front of this triptych. But the other little painting in the far side of the gallery keeps tugging at me. And my perspective just enters into it. It's the painting, what can I say? I see a broken chair. I see a white wall with just a little piece of graffiti on it, nothing big. But it's the feeling of the painting I'm drawn into. And this painting won't leave me alone. It tugs at my gut. I keep turning toward it. Like my gut just keeps pivoting, turning towards this little painting. A little while later, I'm still minding my own business, studying the triptych. Another security guard comes up to me. And he says, you can't put your papers down on the floor. You can't put your water bottle down on the floor. You have to pick your papers up. You can't sit there on the platform. You can't talk into your tape recorder in the gallery. Now, I've been there an hour and a half already. He saw me with the curator. He knows I'm on an assignment. He saw me talking to the other security guard. So him being a nudge doesn't really make any sense. Still, he's being a nudge. He's telling me I can't really work the way I'm working. Like, I got to, you know, move out of there or not make such a mess. So I pick everything up. I got my notebook. I got my bag. And I, I say to myself, right, you know what? Let me step away from this painting. Because sometimes, and I've learned this the hard way, but sometimes when somebody's being a real pain in the neck nudge for no reason, and they show up in your life like this guy, Sometimes, when it makes no sense, no sense at all, I've learned to go with it. I've learned to pay attention. Because sometimes it may just be some spirit that's nudging me for some reason that I'm not aware of. Like, maybe some spirit's using this museum guard to be a nudge all of a sudden. Because I'm not getting the message, I'm too thick-headed to get the message to go where I'm supposed to be. Maybe I'm not in the right place. You know, spirits have a way of tilting the board, you know, to get you to walk where you're supposed to walk, to be where you're supposed to be. How else is a spirit supposed to communicate? Through nudges, through nudging. You ever seen Renaissance paintings? The angels are everywhere, pushing, nudging, pulling, blowing, pulling, pushing curtains aside, peeking out behind corners, anything to get humans and skin to move to the right place. So I say, okay, I get the message. I gather everything up. I got my notebook. I got everything. And I walk right over to that little painting in the corner of the gallery that keeps tugging at my gut. I walk right up face to face like here I am with the little painting. I stand inches away. I face it close up. I stare into the painting. 
It's the sun against the white wall. A labyrinth of green grass up, busting up through the cracks in the cement. It's that particular pale blue sky that I grew up with. That hints of metal chain link fence I could still smell. Aluminum in the rain, standing under the maple tree of my childhood. It's the silver and blue graffiti on that wall with the word up. A ladder to the roof, a bent-legged chair. And in the background of the painting, I see a door, a green door, a dark green door. And on the door is painted the words in white lettering, not an entrance. And right there I'm hooked. A green door in the Bronx on which is hand-painted, not an entrance. Here's a Bronx story. This expressed a lot of my life, feeling locked out, feeling go the other way. I read the title of the painting, and it astounds me. Zuriga Graffiti by Valerie Larko. Zuriga, ah, Zuriga, you got to be kidding me. Zuriga's where I was born. Zuriga's where I had my whole childhood. Zuriga is where everything came together and it all fell apart. That's where our house was, right off Zuriga. What I didn't know, what no one could know, what there was no way I could ever know, was that this spot, this Bronx lot, this backyard, was the site of my father's, in his words, betrayal, conspiracy, treachery, thievery. But we're not quite there yet. On the drive home from the museum, the words on the door kept spinning in my head and took on a blues tune. This is not an entrance. I'll tell it to you true. This is not an entrance. Just Mazuriga blues. This is not an entrance. Go the other way. Meet me around the corner. Tell me what you came to say. Zuriga, 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 Zuriga blues. So when I get home, I email the curator, Lauren Click, and I tell her, yeah, I'm going to perform up on that platform in front of the triptych. But also, I'm going to sing a blues tune in front of that little painting by the doorway. That small painting called Zuriga Graffiti. And Lauren Click writes me back, and she says the painter's going to be thrilled, and she puts us in touch. And that's how Valerie Locko, the painter, and I started a correspondence. I tell Valerie this song came to me staring at that little painting. And I say, you know, I'd love to go kick around there on the site where you painted that, you know, and just sing my song and let it develop. Breathe the air around it. Valerie Locko writes to me. She says, you know, I love painting on location because I find out so much more about the places I paint due to my working process of hanging out. I hang out at the same site for months, maybe more. 
This particular property backs up to Westchester Creek. It used to be an oil terminal for barges that would pull up Westchester Creek to unload their oil at the terminal, and then trucks would fill up and take the oil to people's homes and businesses throughout the Bronx. Oil, you gotta be kidding me. Oil, or as we used to say in the Bronx, Earl, Earl. I write to Valerie, my father had a Bronx oil company. I gotta check his notes that he, you know, he left behind thousands of pages of notes. And I'm gonna see his oil pickup points and see what he said about this address. What's the address? And Valerie sends me a GPS link to the site. If you check out the link, she says, it'll show you the exact location. Exact location. Exact location. Exact location. Now let me just tell you, when I told my mother the revealed location that the painting was painted about. She buckled over. Her head went all the way down like to her knees. She's home, 90 years old, on oxygen. You know, she says, they stole the business from your father. That's where your father lost everything. They took over our business. They overextended credit until there was no way to pay them back. And they took your business. They did that to a lot of small oil burner companies. They planned it. My body begins to shake, and it continues to shake for the 10 days until this performance is over. The address was 1066 Zuriger Avenue. I looked in my father's handwritten notebooks for that address, and then I found it. His page read, betrayal, treachery, hijack, hold up. This painting that Valerie Locko made is the back lot. Who knows what kind of deals went on back there? What kind of dirty deals went on back there? And now when I look at this painting, studying it to write something, all I see are characters, none of which are in the painting, but all of who appear to me. All these men dealing with oil in the Bronx where Westchester Creek butts up against the mainland of America that is the Bronx. I still see the sun on the white wall in the painting. I still see the grass busting up through the concrete. I still see the gorgeous graffiti with the word up. But now I listen to the painting's ghosts. I think about the bedrock underneath the Bronx, the Fordham Nice, the strongest rock in the world. And I think, what went down in that back lot at 1066? Thank you for coming to Annie's Story Cave. This has been a Street Cry Inc. Production. Way, street cry.